Well, we have already uh, heard announcements about a few things. So, for instance, uh, the salaries of aged care workers are going to go up. Uh, just yesterday, we heard that there will be uh, relief towards uh, energy bills for uh, selected households, households that are on uh, government income support. Uh, there will be some help for medical bills as well. Um, so um, these are all, you know, uh, small steps, but in the right direction. Uh, however, um, as you know, that uh, the, the the economy is in a little bit of a tricky situation because we have very high inflation. So the government is kind of constrained in that regard. It doesn't want to. It doesn't want Australians to spend a lot of money because that will the inflation further, and that might force the Reserve Bank's hand to raise the interest rates. Yeah, so I guess that's the risk, isn't it? The more kind of income support you're giving to those lower-income Australians, the more they're then going out and spending it in the economy, which is quite overheated right now. Yes, that's the conundrum. So basically, on one hand, uh, the government doesn't want you to spend a lot of money, but on the other hand, they have to help out the vulnerable households in spending the bare essentials, you know, like some things that you can't cut down on. Mm, So I guess what, what should they be considering when I guess they're trying to strike that really, really um, sensitive balance there? Essentially, those people who are at who are most vulnerable, especially, you know, people on job seeker or parenting payments or other types of government income support, uh, they, they are struggling because uh, they're facing huge increases in the necessities, you know, like rental, uh, rental, uh, you know, the cost of rent, uh, the electricity bills. Uh, the, these are some things that you cannot uh, avoid. So the budget has to cater to those households who are doing it really tough. But at the same time, uh, probably we won't see much for uh, people who are on higher incomes and, or, uh, you know, because the government doesn't want to boost uh, spending. I guess in your kind of line of work and your research where you are speaking with those people who are now facing some very tough choices, you've said that there are things like bills, electricity that they can't cut back on. What happens when they don't have that support? How do they how do they make their own household budget work? Well, we have seen instances where people don't switch on their uh, their light in the evening. They just have this one bulb on. Or this I've seen uh, just yesterday I saw a program on ABC where there are people who don't take hot showers, and so this is really sad to see. But uh, that is. To, the extent to which people are hurting. So it's really difficult. Hmm. Uh, I've also seen cases where people are just buying frozen foods because they can't afford uh, to buy you know, fresh chicken or fresh vegetables. I would like to talk about the inflation rate because that is something that you know is creating a lot of this pressure. We see this headline number of there's 7% inflation, but the actual... Hmm underlying figures there's you know certain sectors that are deflating and certain sectors that are inflating can you kind of talk us through a little bit about how what what does inflation actually look like and how is it impacting our most vulnerable you see the inflation rate is calculated by the increase in price of the consumer price index the cpi and it consists of a range of goods uh, it consists of uh, your housing, your rental costs, your electricity, food, uh, entertainment, 
maybe uh, some other types of now uh, the, um, uh, the the inflation rate that we see reported is a kind of like a average of all these so it it's possible that there are some things uh, the prices are going up much more uh, which doesn't get reflected in the uh, cpi numbers but and there are some things which the prices are actually falling so what we see in the inflation rate is the overall the average of that inflation but there are certain commodities which are essential which households can't cut back on and their prices could be going up even further so for instance rental prices have gone up much more than what we see in the official inflation rate tackling the inflation rate that's been a really key mission of the Reserve Bank, and that's led them to raise interest rates a record 11 times in the space of a year. So, first of all, how does that impact um, people on lower incomes? Well, uh, if you are uh, a household who has a large um, mortgage out, it immediately affects your uh, mortgage repayment because if you are on a variable rate then the banks will be increasing their interest rate on your mortgage and then you will be paying more uh, to return that loan. Uh, if it has an indirect effect as well because if you are renting it's possible it's quite possible that uh, the owner of your apartment or the house has taken out a loan and so because he or she has to now repay a higher mortgage payment they will be increasing your rents to repair it. Um, it also makes borrowing more expensive generally because the interest rates, the Reserve Bank's interest rate gets reflected very quickly in almost all other interest rates. So uh, it's, it's a very blunt tool because it affects, affects almost everybody, small businesses, um, households directly or indirectly. And so, um, yeah, it, it makes uh, things more difficult for uh, lower income households especially because they have very little leeway in their budget anyway. With that increased cost of borrowing there, are you seeing more people turning to those interest-free buy now, pay later type services? They will, they will be looking at options available for them where uh, they can possibly pay, them, pay for their purchases a little later. Uh, they could be using the credit cards more. Um, but again, it's a double-edged sword because the credit card interest rates will also be going up. So, The biggest borrower in Australia has historically been the federal government. We have a uh, federal uh, debt of over a trillion dollars and the government is very keen this year to try and run mm-hmm. a surplus instead of a deficit. So what impact is our, is our total debt, first of all, having on the spending options available to the federal government? Well, our debt uh, has probably not hit a trillion dollars yet, it's likely to be a little lower uh, because the government has uh, received a, a bit of a revenue boost from the resource sector and because of uh, income tax revenues and uh, if there has been a, a, a silver lining to this whole thing is that we have very strong job markets right now. So the government uh, that is probably is hovering around 900 billion. But still, the interest costs are considerable, I mean. Uh, and so, um, yeah, the government would be keen to get the debt down um, because it is now, I think, the fastest growing component of the budget. And uh, I saw an article which said something like we are paying $60 million an hour or something like that on interest. 
So, yeah, they will be very keen to keep uh, the deficit down as much as possible. I'm not sure whether we will be in surplus exactly, because it all depends on what the government decides finally in its budget. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but $60 million an hour in debt repayments, that's quite a lot. So would that number increase with the interest rate rising? Yeah, so uh, basically it depends on when the borrowing was done. So a lot of the borrowing during COVID pandemic was done at a lower interest rate, so that cost is not uh, that high. But if you borrow, if you borrow new, new, if you issue new debt, that will come at the current interest rates and that will be quite expensive. Okay, so the government would be looking toward trying to borrow less so that they can, you know, they're not borrowing new money at higher interest rates. Absolutely. They would like to, ideally, you want to reduce your debt because uh, the more, I mean, the faster you cut down the debt, less interest you have to pay. So that is the ideal situation. You want to reduce your debt as fast as possible. Hmm. So talk us through the difference between a, a budget deficit and a budget surplus. We haven't had a budget surplus in quite a while. So what would that mean for Australians? So it's, uh, the government's budget is basically uh, a statement of how much they're earning and how much they're spending. A budget deficit means that they're spending more and uh, they're earning through revenues through taxes like GST, income taxes and other types of revenue is less. Now you can imagine that if I, I if you you yourself are a household and your earnings are less than your spending, then you have to borrow somewhere. You either use a credit card or borrow for your family. The government is in a slightly better situation because they can issue government debt, so they can borrow from the market. And Australian government debt is triple rated, so it's considered very safe, so they're able to borrow. But uh, while you can do this for a few years. For it to be sustainable, you need to be able to bring it down. So if you are running a budget deficit in some times, like during COVID, uh, the government had to take on debt to help uh, people who, who needed it, to job keeper payments and stuff like that. But now when we have come out of it, ideally you want to have a budget surplus so that you can reduce your your outstanding debt uh, and as a result, uh, you know, bring the debt down to sustainable level. Mm, okay. And so when they're talking about these kind of these spending pressures on the budget, is that kind of, I guess, managing the deficit versus these new spending programs for those low-income Australians, what they would be considering? Yes. I mean, ideally, you would like to spend more. There are many things on which you would like to spend more. But the constraining factor is how much you are collecting through tax revenue. And if you run a deficit again this year, then you will have to issue more debt, which will be quite expensive. Hmm. Okay. Now, you've, just changing gears a little bit, you've recently published a paper about how financial inequity impacted people's health incomes during the pandemic, where we did have this, you know, the deficit was run up to support people through that. Tell me a little bit about your research. Yeah, so uh, our research was on whether um, the countries which had more inequality were affected by uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, more adversely and the death rates in those countries, whether they were higher or not. And we found that uh, uh, countries where income inequalities were very high had a much faster 
spread of the the uh, the, the COVID-19 disease, and also had higher death rates from that. Uh, possibly, it could be because uh, in countries where you have very high inequality, uh, a large percentage of the population is below poverty line, and uh, you know even though you have uh, measures for uh, restricting people to go out and work, they're forced to do it. And as a result, uh, the, the pandemic spread more rapidly in those countries. How did, how did Australia perform compared to other countries? Australia performed quite well. And I think uh, 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 it's a combination of factors, but um, partly it was the the, uh, the government support that was... Uh, you know, given very quickly, and uh, that helped people to keep their jobs and also allowed people to stay at home without impacting them too severely. So overall, Australia did quite well uh, compared to other countries. What are the health impacts that, because you've been talking about, you know, people having worse health outcomes in those countries with more income inequality, and that being one of your theories as to why, how could having a low income contribute to those poorer health outcomes? In general, there is a very strong relationship between income and health, especially for low-income households. And it could be due to a variety of things. It's that uh, low-income households are unable to afford a decent uh, you know, level of uh, housing. They live in unsafe environments. Uh, they are maybe unable to uh, buy nutritious food. Uh, there could be also psychological effects of poverty. So there are a variety of factors that are in play. And uh, because of that, uh, generally it's found that uh, people who are at the lower end of the, the income distribution, at that point there is a, an increase in their income by even 10 percentage points can have a huge impact on their quality of life and, and health. Mm. Now, lastly, I am speaking to you from Darwin, where um, it's, it sees in the Northern Territory some of the highest rates of income inequality in the country. The standard of living in many of our poorest communities is, is quite low. And uh, anything, any policy that, uh, you know, is geared towards improving the living conditions in the communities, especially in consultation with them, uh, would be welcome. Mm. So I guess to wrap up, given your your research that you've done into into health, into inequality, and you know, given you know what we're hearing so far from the government, what would be your wish list for the upcoming budget? I would really like to see the job seeker. Sorry, um, yeah, I mean the job seeker allowance to go up. Uh, that would be my. Uh, that, that would be something I would like to see, but I'm not sure whether that will happen or not. Right now, we know that. Uh, some people on job seeker would have an increase, but uh, we are not quite sure exactly what the coverage is going to be like and to what extent that is going to increase.